Dave is a butthole. That's uh, how one of my text messages or actually an email uh, starts that I got. That's the subject line. Dave is a butthole. Why? What is that all about? We'll read that email today on the podcast. Also, special guest Buzz Aldrin, second guy on the moon, and his story, fascinating because that was 50 years ago, hard to believe 50 years ago uh, this past week. Um, uh, some chapters from the book, a couple of stories, and let's get started this week on the podcast. Take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast, whether it's your first time listening or your 30th or third time or whatever. I do appreciate it. A lot of the time we try to have a guest on the podcast, and usually when we have guests, I notice that we have more people who listen to the podcast, but sometimes, you know what? It's just you and me. And just you and me, even if you're talking back to the podcast or answering, I do a pretty good job of talking enough for both of us. But I do love having guests on the podcast, and I'm working on a couple for the next couple of weeks. Okay, we're going to dive right into an email that I got uh, earlier today. And the subject line has actually made me, it made me look twice because we get nice emails and we get some that are not so nice. And we get some that attack us and we get some that are like, you know, hey, love the show. This one starts with saying, thanks a lot, Dave, for including one day in your book. It's a poem. It made me cry. But seriously, I love the book. I bought three to give away with graduation gifts. I love that. Thank you so much. That's from Jamie. And Jamie, thanks for buying three books and thanks for pointing out the poem. And it's part of uh, the book because it's a chapter that I said, don't push the snooze alarm on your kids because basically we're all too busy for our kids a lot of the time. And when Carson was younger, I found myself more and more saying, I can't right now, Carson. I can't. And sometimes you can't because if you're a parent, if you're a new parent, you know, Fallon's going to be a new parent very soon. I know a lot of new parents who listen to the show. Uh, my friend Mao is a fairly new parent, got a kid that's a few years old. Um, Nate and his wife, Alyssa, listen to the podcast, and they've got a six-month, seventh-month old baby. Um, and they get in that stage where they want to play with you all the time. Two, three, six, seven years old. Can we go play catch? Can we play a game? Whatever. And sometimes you have to say no. I get that. But try not to do it as much as you can. And here's the poem that was inspired, that inspired that or was inspired by that thought. It's called One Day by Butthole Dave Ryan. One day, sooner than you think, the echoes of your child's laughter will have faded from your house. Oh, God, I hope I don't tear up during this. One day, sooner than you think, their bed will be empty, their toys gone, and their posters taken down. Oh, I'm going to lose it. One day, sooner than you think, their messy room will be clean and used for something else. One day, sooner than you think, the house they lit up with their voices will be silent except for those soft noises adults make. One day, sooner than you think, your kids will visit you just for a while when they have time. One day, sooner than you think, the basketball hoop in the driveway will stand unused all year. One day, sooner than you think, the swing set in the backyard will be given away. One day, sooner than you think, your child's spot at the dinner table will be empty. Oh God, I'm starting to lose it. One day, sooner than you think, your house will be quiet. Your house will be quiet between their visits. But today, your child is home and they want to spend time with you. Put off your work and take that time because one day... Oh, wow. And I really, I don't remember exactly what occasion inspired me to write that, but it really is true. And uh, 
<clears throat> I'm in Allison's old bedroom right now, which I use as the studio. And there's her bed, and there's some of her old toys, and there's some of her stuff that she boxed up. But it's, you know, it's used for something else now. As a matter of fact, Carson's got all of his college crap all over the bed um, because this is apparently the storage room where he's putting all of his stuff for Berkeley uh, College of Music before he goes. So anyway, uh, Jamie, thanks for sending the email. I really like that, and I'm glad that it touched you. Um, and again, uh, there's a lot of other chapters in the book, too, all about life lessons and things that we, um, you know, the, that I've learned that I want to pass along to you. Um, speaking of things to pass along, my grandkids were just here for the weekend. I've never had my grandkids here before by themselves. They've always come with their mom or their mom and their dad, and they live in North Carolina. So, you know, they, they're, they're seven and a half and ten years old, and I thought, you know, they're old enough to come their mom, my daughter, Beth, said, hey, do you guys want to go see Grandma and Grandpa? Um, uh, and they said, yeah, which I was really glad they did because I thought they'd say, no, I don't want to. But they were really happy to come, and we had a great time. They got here Thursday, and we did nothing Thursday but have pizza. And then Friday, we went flying in an airplane, and we went paddleboarding, and we went to Benihana, and we played Settlers of Catan. And, and I don't need to go on about all the stuff we did, but we did a lot of cool stuff, like spoiling kind of stuff. And uh, the reason I really wanted them to come was because they don't have a grandfather on their dad's side. Uh, their grandfather died about 10 years ago on their dad's side. And uh, they see um, Cricket, my ex, fairly often. But I know she doesn't have really much to give them except time. Um, uh, and we have, you know, a bigger house and we have more, you know, toys. We have a paddle board and and, um, you know, we just have more room. So I thought, I want the kids to come up and have that experience to spend some time with the grandparents. Because don't you remember, if you're like me, spending time at your grandparents' house when you were a kid or maybe at your grandparents' cabin? Or like Susan, she went to her grandparents' trailer. They had a little camper on a lake in Ohio when she grew up. And she remembers that very well. I would go to Jordan, Montana every summer and see my grandma and um, it, there, it, I never ran out of things to do, whether it was walking into town to, you know, go get a Coke or go buy fireworks or whatever. So I wanted my kids, my grandkids to have that experience before they get too old, because all of a sudden, guess what? Boom. Like in the poem, one day, sooner than you think, they're grown up and they don't really care if they haven't established a relationship with grandma or grandpa. So when you one day do have grandkids, make sure that you spend some time with them and give them those memories that you hopefully got to have when you were a kid. And I feel bad for anybody who's, they lost their grandparents at an early age or never met them or were never close. Um, I feel bad for them um, because they missed that experience. So anyway, I wanted to pass that along. Uh, the podcast is not going to be super long this week. I have a couple of more things I want to pass along before we get to the Buzz Aldrin interview. Last week, we did something about um, songs that sound like other songs. And I had a good time with it, and I hope you did too if you heard it. If you didn't hear it, it's about 10 songs that sound a lot like other pop hit songs. And some of them are a little more obscure, but I had a lot of fun with it because I really, I don't know why I have an ear for that, but I seem to have an ear. When I hear a song, I'm like, oh, shoot, that sounds just like this song from 2004 by Christina Aguilera. And it's by Selena Gomez or whatever. So, but this is one of my favorite ones, and I didn't get to it last week, and I don't know why I forgot it. In 1993, Jurassic Park came out, 
And I was new in town, and I didn't have any friends yet, so I went down to the Mall of America Cinemas, and I saw Jurassic Park. And right away, when they played the theme song, a very soaring theme song, I recognized that tune immediately, and I thought, does anybody else not know where this song is from? So, I and, and it's written by the same guy who wrote um, uh, Star Wars and Jaws and Indiana Jones. And right off the top of my head, I can't think of his name, John Williams. Um, so he wrote the theme to Jurassic Park. So I know he didn't mean to steal the melody, but whether he meant to steal it or not, it's identical to an old Chevrolet commercial. First, I'm going to play each one a couple of times. First, here is the theme from Jurassic Park. Here we go. And here's what it's stolen from, a 1950s Chevrolet commercial. The melody is the same. Here it is. See the USA in your Chevrolet. The Rockies way out west are calling you. Drive your Chevrolet through the USA where fields of golden wheat pass and review. I'll play it for you again. Here's Jurassic Park, and it's da 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 na 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 na. Ten notes. Jurassic Park. Here it is. Chevrolet, 10 notes. Here they are. See the USA in your Chevrolet. The Rockies way out west are calling you. Drive your Chevrolet through the USA where fields of golden wheat pass and review. The exact same melody. So in 1993, I actually called USA Today. Back when people read newspapers, USA Today was the big national newspaper. I called their entertainment reporter and I told them and I played it for them over the phone. They're like, holy crap, you're absolutely right. And tell me more about it. And I said, well, there's not much more to tell. I mean, I was in the theater and I noticed it and I heard it and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, wow, that's really interesting. I'm going to call you back. And I never heard from them again. I don't know whether they lost interest in the story or whether they figure it was a coincidence or it's not a story. Or maybe their boss said, we're not going to screw over John Williams and accuse him of plagiarism and get into some sort of a lawsuit. So, But I'm not accusing John Williams of plagiarism. John Williams wrote Star Wars, Jaws, uh, Indiana Jones, E.T., and a whole bunch more. He is He does not need to prove himself as a good original songwriter, but there's no denying those two songs sound alike. And now, here's what uh, is the highlight of the podcast to me. Um, it was about 10 years ago, I got to meet Buzz Aldrin, who was then about 79 years old and in really good shape, very, um, I don't know, lucid, um, brilliant. He had been through a lot. And if you ever get a chance to read his book, and you probably won't, but there's one called, I think it's called Magnificent Desolation. Anyway, look it up. It's by uh, Buzz Aldrin, and it's about his mission to the moon. And then afterward, his experience being depressed because 
why wasn't he the first man on the moon? I mean, he realized somebody had to first be first and somebody had to be second, but it pissed him off and bothered him. Why was I the second man on the moon? Then he got on antidepressants and his wife said, these antidepressants aren't doing you any good. They're just, you know, you do some for a while, then you try some and then you try some others and it doesn't do you any good. Try to get off of them. So he did. So his story is really interesting. If you want a good read and you're into history or the moon landing and all that, um, Magnificent Desolation, I'm pretty sure is what it's called, but it's Buzz Aldrin. And here is Buzz 10 years ago recorded inside the bowels of Mall of America. Here's Buzz Aldrin. When you were on the moon, you were only there for a short time, about what, 12 hours, 8 hours, something like that? No, we landed and lifted off 20, 21 hours later. We hours were outside later. two, two and a half hours, okay. a very, very short period of time. Because it was an early spacecraft, it was heavier, mm-hmm. as most things are early in the production, than the, than the later spacecraft. We had put in more conservatism, so we only had the consumables, the oxygen supply, to stay there one day and to go outside for a, a, a short period of time, two and a half hours was all the allotment was for. As the lunar module was, uh, was being landed, the, the spot where you were going to land was not was not working. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't going to work out. Is uh, can you tell me how you had what thirty seconds extra of fuel? Is that what thirty seconds of fuel to spare as you were landing? Is that can you talk probably about probably the initial calculation was that if everything went right, we would probably have a minute and a half, something like like that. But where the uh, computer was taking us in this supposedly very smooth area uh, was uh, n- not acceptable to Neil. He was looking outside. I was feeding him all the information I possibly could from the primary guidance uh, computer and the uh, abort guidance and all the systems that were uh, necessary to support the propulsion and, and, uh, and the landing. So uh, occasionally I would sneak a peek out there, but uh, I was not controlling the spacecraft. <laughs> right. uh, he certainly was in directing it, uh, and we decided to extend where we're going to, f- to smoothly fly over the undesirable spot. So we saw a shadow and saw the dust being blowing off to the sides and we touched down uh, and I said contact light, uh, engine stop, so we stopped the engine and did a few cleaning up the cockpit uh, is what uh, what pilots call it. Uh, they may make a quick post landing check mm-hmm. and we make sure that we don't have to lift off immediately because Mike Collins in Columbia is going overhead and uh, and if we have to leave, we have to leave quickly to catch him before he's too far uh, gone. And uh, then we have to wait for two hours uh, until he comes around I again. See. Okay. Uh, 21 hours later, when it was time to fire the rocket to leave the moon, mm-hmm. there had to have been some anxiety. Is this going to work? Because if it didn't work, there wasn't a whole lot that they could do. Was there some anxiety about whether it would start up again? Um, I, I don't think we use the term anxiety. We we term use the term uh, peaked alertness. Okay. <laughs> okay. We're we're really alert to what's going on, and hopefully it's a it's a smooth countdown, and nothing uh, comes up that uh, interrupts, and nothing did, mm-hmm. and we lift it off, uh, and uh, we we sort of expected at the pitch over that it might be a little disconcerting because it was a fairly rapid pitch over maneuver. But, but we were thrusting at a little bit less than Earth gravity, but that's about five times uh, 
what moon was pulling us down. So we left in a big hurry. Uh, and uh, and it was not at all disturbing the fact that we pitched over. <laughs> so there's no cheering going on uh, until we're back on the ocean. And of course the spacecraft, uh, uh, unexpectedly to us, but uh, but it's a it's a natural thing. It can do that. It it turned over upside oh, down. Oh, it did. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it's getting pretty warm inside because the heat shield is not being cooled by the right. uh, by the Pacific Ocean. And uh, so we're hanging from the shoulder straps, bouncing around. Upside and, down. And this is not the time you want to get seasick. You know, you just completed a, a, a great mission. <laughs> a bet. Things uh, worked out okay, though. We got on the carrier with our isolation garments and started a quarantine that uh, lasted uh, uh, another 15 days or so. Quarantine because people didn't know if you would catch any, I don't know, viruses or bacteria or whatever on the moon and bring it back to Earth. Um, have you ever figured out, one of the interesting things in your book is you said that for 40 years people want to come up to you and tell you, Buzz, here's where I was when you landed on the moon. Have you ever figured out why people want to tell you where they were when you, la when you landed on the moon? Well, sure, it's natural. Uh, uh, it's, it's a celebration of a, of a positive uh, event in, in history, in the nation, and they've felt a part of it, mm -hmm. and, and uh, they're part of it. They knew where we were, so they want to just uh, get a little closer to the event by telling us where they were, because that sticks in their mind Absolutely. exactly where they were. I think I was six, and mom and dad woke me up so my brother and I could watch it, and of mm -hmm. course we'll never forget it. Uh, a lot of people listening to the radio on KDWB right now might not realize that you are the original Moon Man from MTV, so when the MTV Music Awards hands out that trophy, yeah. that's you. Well, they called it the Buzzy, uh, yeah. just, just to make sure. It's kind of like uh, Buzz Lightyear. You know, they, don't, you they don't come and ask you and give you a contract. Well, we're going to pay you this this amount, but we would like to use your names. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so you didn't make a dime off of no, Buzz, Buzz Lightyear. I, I still make make do best I can on Air Force retirement. Okay. There's <laughs> not a whole lot. Buzz, it's been such a pleasure to meet you and talk to you. Of course. A real right. honor. Yeah. I appreciate what it. A pleasure being here in Minneapolis sharing my story with a lot of people. Magnificent Desolation is, uh, I think, one of the, the better efforts that I've come up with uh, in the way of a book. I've written seven, eight different books, a couple of children's books are doing very well. And of course, I got involved in a rap session with uh, Snoop Dogg, thanks to uh, people advising me, because uh, I really do want to communicate with, uh, with the younger generation, sure. the people going through uh, school. So I uh, Twitter occasionally uh, with the real buzz. Is that your handle? The, That's the my real buzz. Twitter at the real buzz. Yes. Okay, got it. Buzz, thank you so much. It's been an honor. The book is awesome. I read the book in about two or three days. Loved it, and uh, it was also great learning about your uh, your wife Lois and um, and everything that you've gone through since you came back from the moon. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's been an eventful life, a challenging life, and a very satisfying one coming from desolation somewhat back into degrees of magnificence of being able to serve my country. That's what pleases me. I just think that's cool. I mean, it still blows my mind when I think that I sat there and talked to a guy who walked on the moon. Just unbelievable. You and I have kind of like all these years and the fact that we've done it and we've seen the pictures and we've kind of lost our amazement as a society or as a world with what they did, but I wasn't old enough to remember how cool that was, but I remember my mom and dad were awed 
just freaking awed by the whole thing. My brother and I were in bed. It was probably 9 or 10 o'clock Colorado time that night. And I remember they got us out of bed to watch men walk on the moon because they knew. And I don't remember it very well except watching it. I don't remember much about it except watching it. So anyway, um, uh, one day we'll talk about how people can the, have the, believe the conspiracy theories that we never went to the moon. Um, uh, I think that's funny and ridiculous and junk science. And it's the same people who believe the earth is flat. Um, uh, somebody once said, well, if we can have a, we use a telescope that can see the moon, which is 250,000 miles away, if the earth is flat, how come we can't stand on a ladder and see Chile, which is only 15,000 miles away? Oh, poof, there it goes. There goes the whole flat earth argument right there in one sentence. If we can see the moon with a telescope 250,000 miles away in detail, how come we can't see Chile, which is only what? I, I don't even know. Not 15,000 miles away. It's not that far. I know the earth isn't that big by standing on a ladder. Love that argument. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for getting the book. If you haven't got the book, it's available on Amazon. It's a great late graduation gift. It's a great going into college gift. And um, if you ever get it, want to get it signed, bring it down to the radio station. I'd be more than happy to sign it for you. Uh, what else? I think that's it. There's a Facebook page. It's Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. If you search for it, you type in a few words of that, it'll pop up. And the book is also available on Kindle. So you can download the Kindle version and an email. I'd love to hear from you um, uh, with any comments to Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. Really appreciate you listening and downloading and tell a friend. And if you know somebody who listens to our show and they listen to Pal Fallon's excellent podcast or Steve's great Murder Monday or Tina and Jenny's great podcast, um, uh, Too Lame for Radio, then tell them about my uh, podcast, please. And we'll see you next week on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and don't steal anything. I mean it. All right, have a good week. <laughs>